My Mac Podcast 286 with listener invite Steve Hammond. You're listening to the G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. Welcome to the MyMac.com podcast. This is number 286 of a continuing train wreck. We're just having, <laughs> we're having a lot of fun. And part of the reason why this is going to be a fun show is as that we have a, a listener invite tonight, uh, Steve Hammond from Canada. Hey, Steve. Hey, how are you guys? Now, you've been, how long have you been a Mac user? Oh, I've been a Mac user, say, for, you know, the last seven years. But, you know, I call myself as uh, something like, a, you know, a switcher back. A switcher okay. back? Yeah, because I used the Mac in the, the, the late 90s. You know, I had a Mac Plus at the time. You, wait, 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 wait. You were using a Mac Plus in the, ni- yeah. in the late 90s? Oh, no, the late 80s. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay, wow. Before we get more of that, uh, I also want to introduce... Uh, the the regular co-host of the show, hopefully for a long, long time, is Gaz Maz. Hey, Gaz. Good evening. Good evening. How are you? Or is it good morning? Oh, I don't know. Ooh, I don't know. It's <laughs> it's it's some time of the day for you, some time I, of the day for me, and the only people that will really understand that is well, nobody. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're we're somewhere on the twenty-four hour clock, and I tell you what, I feel a little bit out of my depth with Steve saying that he was using a Mac back in the, uh, the late eighties. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, my first my first Mac was was a Mac Plus, as a matter of fact, as well. So you bought a Mac Plus in like the what nineteen eighty seven, nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and I had it for maybe one or two years, mm-hmm. and you know because my. Uh, Studying path at the time was uh, computer science, and most most of computer science uh, stuff were done on uh, IBM PCs. You know, logically, I had to switch to PCs for a while. And you know, in the late, in the beginning of the two thousands, I, I started looking back at the Mac, especially when I saw that uh, Steve Jobs came back in the late nineties. Yeah, it was, I think it was like ninety seven. Yeah, yeah. ninety seven. Yeah. So, and OS X was interesting, but, you know, when I saw iPhoto at the time, I was, uh, you know, just starting uh, using uh, digital photography and, you know, that got me in. And in 2002, I bought my, uh, an eMac. Oh, yeah. That was kind of so, like the, the, the big brother to yeah. the original iMacs, the big, big white monster. Yeah, exactly. Very huge, very big, very uh, AV. <laughs> Yeah, I I know my kids use some of those in school, and and they just seemed like such great workhorses. Yeah, yeah, it was a great machine, I think, for the time. And uh, I bought the one with uh, the DVD burner, so mm-hmm. I start, uh, you know, I bought a video camera after the fact, and blah blah blah. So I start iMovies and stuff like that. So finally, you know, I've been in the Mac, uh, a Mac, a Mac aficionado for you know those last seven years you know now i'm trying to convince all my friends to go to mac <laughs> <laughs> so but throughout the 90s you were you were mostly using windows or or were there were that were you like dabbling with os2 or, or anything along those lines uh yeah you know i tried many things you know os2 was one of them uh, you know i tried to make it work 
And basically that was a, you know, a crap software. <laughs> yeah. It had a lot of potential, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they didn't know how to market it. They, they, they couldn't get a lot of software support for it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, just using, uh, you know, OS2 for, say, uh, uh, doing Windows emulation that was not very useful. So, you know, <laughs> basically at one time I, I gave up uh, OS2 and, you know, I've been trying, you know, at some point I was searching for something else than Microsoft software and I tried Linux for a while, but still again, that was not perfect, not so perfect. So when I came back to the Mac in 2002, I said, oh, that's what I want. So, and I'm still with it. <laughs> so, so Steve, when, when you were first using the Mac back in the late 80s, was that purely for work or was that for personal use? And, and did you not think about possibly getting a, a Mac to use at home, even though you were perhaps having to use the um, a Windows machine at work? Uh, yeah, in fact, uh, at the time I was, uh, you know, in the, the beginning of the 90s, I was uh, studying. So, and I've been a student for many years uh, since, you know, I have a master's degree in computer science. So, okay. <laughs> basically, I've been uh, studying computer for all my life. And, uh, you know, I, yeah, I could I could have tried that maybe, you know, using that. That's what I'm doing today. You know, I have a Mac at home, but uh, I'm using Windows PCs uh, at work. So I think we're all in that boat. Yeah, <laughs> basically we are. Yeah. <laughs> but so what you started off with a, an eMac and that was yeah. what, 800 megahertz or one gigahertz, something along those lines, G4. Yeah, that was a G4, but I think it was the 800 megahertz. Yeah. The one and with uh, the, you know, the USB 1.1 1 .1 only, no, no USB 2 and blah, blah, blah. Right. So. And Firewire <laughs> 400 and so on. Yeah, exactly. So and so, what got you interested in coming back to the Mac? Was it that you were getting more interested in photography? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, that's, you know, I had maybe uh, my, uh, at the time I had an, an Icon uh, 9, uh, Coolpix 995. It was not, you know, the greatest stuff at the time, but still I paid dollars $1, for that com cameras at the time. You know that was a, a huge price, and I, I was trying, you know, to classify and play with my pictures on the Windows PC using a directories and structure. You know, it was not working. There was no way to uh, to find digital photography uh, something pleasant to to do. You know, it was kind of a, it was hard. Yeah, very hard, very hard. So, so, so you moved over and you, you mentioned that you like iPhoto. Um, are you still using iPhoto or did you did you move on from iPhoto from once you started using the Mac in, uh, in the early 2000s? Yeah, so I've been using iPhoto for maybe five years and five, six years. And last wow. year, uh, you know, when... You know, I bought a new camera. You know, in fact, I bought a few cameras in the, in the meantime. But uh, at the time, I bought uh, my what I have now, an Icon uh, D90, which is a very, very nice camera, still in the thousand dollars price. But um, now, is that like separate body, separate lens type? Of, I, I don't really know a yeah, lot about yeah, cameras. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the you know DSLR camera, camera, yeah. and uh, you know that one is you know you want to use the maximum potential of the camera and to do that you have to you know basically go with uh, raw shooting but you know iPhoto and raw shooting is just 
not really that good. You know, it's not. I had then to try with uh, Camera with uh, Photoshop Elements and so on. But you know, basically, what I did last year is I made make the move to uh, Aperture two, and okay. um, you know, I upgraded with uh, to Aperture three uh, recently when Apple released the software. So, so I take it you're not still on that same eMac. <laughs> not if you're no. using Aperture 3. <laughs> what are you using now? Uh, for now, I have two machines. I have a, a MacBook Pro 15-inch. Um, uh-huh. It's a 2.4 GHz. And I have also an iMac 27-inch with the Core i7 processors. Oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> you must be. That's, that's, oh, that's the machine. Yeah, As soon as I heard that, that they were getting the i5s and i7s, I was oh I've got to have one of those. Yeah, and, that, that's know. a dream machine, isn't it, at the moment? Yeah, unfortunately, uh, I also want to remain married. So <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've I've got to wait a little while. I'm I'm, I'm interested, it's, it's Steve. Actually, I'm interested, Steve, because uh, one of the things that I absolutely loved when I, I came across was to start using iPhoto, and I got to agree with you using the raw format. That it iPhoto gives you a bit of adjustability, if that's such a word, but. Obviously, moving to the lights of Aperture or Light uh, Lightroom, it gives you so much more potential to be able to work those photos that you've spent so much, so much time taking. Yeah, exactly. And you know, ju- just the non-destructive uh, stuff is wow. It's yes, fantastic. Yes. You know, you can version any any pictures to thousands of versions without taking that much space into your uh, hard drive and. Something that iPhoto never, you know, you have to duplicate the photo in iPhoto and then make the changes and so on. So that was, so, you know. So as, as, as moving up to Aperture made you think differently about the photos that you take? Yeah, sure, sure. Because now, like I said, you know, I've decided, you know, to go uh, all the way. So first of all, it's, uh, you know, I know that if I, you know, take a picture and I'm not sure about the, say, the white balance or whatever, you know, I can try many things on, on, you know, on the camera itself. And when I come to the, um, the computer, if I'm not satisfied with the, uh, you know, say the white balance or whatever, you know, I can adjust the parameter as, you know, as I wish. And you know, basically, I took pictures that I say, oops. You know, my say white balance was on a flash and I didn't have a flash. So, you know, it was a bluish or whatever. So I just changed, you know, the white balance to be without a flash and poof, the picture just, you know, got exactly what I wanted to have. So, and that was not me doing a lot of, uh, you know, what, uh, of what Aperture can do. You know, it's just the white yes. balance I'm talking yes. about, yes. you know. yes. Was, was there a reason why you chose Aperture over something like Lightroom, Adobe's Lightroom? Uh, you know, basically I have a friend that is using Lightroom. And, you know, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I thought about it a little bit. And, you know, I chose Aperture basically because, you know, transferring the pictures from Aperture to, uh, from iPhoto to Aperture was easier than going to Lightroom. And... In a way, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, Lightroom is certainly a, a good software as well, and it's uh, less, uh, you know, uh, resource-consuming than uh, right. uh, Aperture. That's for, for one thing true. You know, for example, you know, the last uh, Aperture version only works on uh, 10.6, which is uh, Intel-based processors only. 
uh, why aperture. Well, you yeah. have an i7, so you don't have to worry too much. Yeah, about that. not too much about <laughs> that for now. <Canada. laughs> but you know, my point was that uh, you know, if you look at uh, Lightroom, you know, Lightroom is, uh, I think, it's, uh, even the beta version of Lightroom Three is still working on the G5 or so on. So it hasn't been. You don't. You, in your opinion, uh, Adobe hasn't stepped up to to get their programs working well in uh, OS X ten point six. I won't, de- I won't say that, you know, but, uh, you know, my point was more that, uh, you know, when I choose Aperture uh, over Lightroom, I knew that, you know, I, I you know, required a faster processor and uh, computer for uh, using it, you know, why uh, in Lightroom it could have been, you know, I could have stayed with uh, maybe uh, uh, lower processors and could still be uh, a working um, environment, but... Uh, you know, but I chose, you know, I think Aperture just because, you know, I already had the uh, the uh, iPhoto stuff and moving mm-hmm. from, uh, you know, because uh, Aperture can read into the albums you had in. Um, so it reads the XML files that iPhoto creates. Yeah, exactly. So And you if, don't lose anything. Yeah, exactly. And if you want to import, and, and that that's uh, what I I done. If you want to import, you know, say one pro, one, uh, say um, how do they call that in? Uh, it's not a, a library or or photos or. Yeah, but in uh, I'm just uh, missing the word. But in uh, iPhoto, they have. Uh, oh, albums. Uh, uh, yeah, albums, or you know, you can import n albums into a project in Aperture. So you know, you, you can really uh, you know do the, the the importation the way you want without having to. Uh, you know, first export the pictures from iPhoto into a directory, then import it into the Lightroom stuff. So uh, basically, and I'm satisfied with uh, with Apple software, except maybe so, that. So, Steve, are you still are you still on Aperture two? Yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. I you, you've actually three. you've moved to Aperture three now, have you? Yeah, with and, the and, few bugs and. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was just going to ask you about. Have you have you come across any of the bugs that obviously have been fairly widely reported? Yeah, basically, you know, the um, uh, faces feature, you know, uh, once uh, I started uh, using the faces feature in the Aperture 3.0, you know, the first first version, uh, you know, I couldn't see my uh, library into the media browser into, say, uh, the iLife or iWork uh, suite. So that was a huge bug and I... No, I never really found the solution. I tried many things. I found in the on Apple websites or uh, their support groups or whatever to try find out, uh, you know, a workaround isn't for the, this. Isn't there a new version out now? Yeah, yeah, and that version didn't didn't resolve this. It didn't resolve that either. Oh, yeah, dear. for me. So what I had to do, you know, because I, you know, obviously I had the chance, if I can say, to have a, a copy of my. Uh, you know, a fairly recent copy of my uh, Aperture library onto my MacBook Pro. So what I did is that um, I, you know, basically took the, uh, the, the 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 library that it was still in version two in my MacBook Pro, and I moved it to my iMac and you know with 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 three dot one three dot zero dot one I think the version. The newest version. So, and from there, you know, I restarted my uh, faces albums and blah blah blah, and now it's working well. But you know, so you, uh, you basically had to had to move your library 
to a different machine and then re-import it in to get the feature that you want it to work? Yeah, in fact, in fact, you know, if uh, wow. resume it, uh, you know, uh, to the the most basic stuff, you know, I had to restart from, uh, you know, fresh copy that was Aperture two only that has not bi- been migrated to Aperture three. So, so this was working in Aperture two, but it's not working in Aperture three, or am I missing something? Uh, no, no, no. But faces features doesn't exist in Aperture two. So ah ah okay okay <laughs> um. Now you you said that you moved or you selected Aperture over Lightroom. I, I'm guessing because you you kind of found the workflow to be easier to deal with. Yeah, too, because you know I've been uh, you know listening to a few podcasts about Aperture, iPhoto, and uh, Lightroom, and so on. And you know I, you, I, I I'm not sure I do understand the the. the the workflow into Lightroom, you know, you have the, it's a splitted in different module, you know, some kind of things, uh, classifi- classification, uh, then, uh, I don't know, development, uh, printing, and blah, 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 yeah. you know. I I don't know, if I, and I'm not someone who prints lots of pictures, you know, I'm doing... You keep it pretty much digital. Yeah, exactly, you know, what I'm doing is may, maybe slideshows and blah, 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 so... And on that side, I, I also know that Aperture is, uh, is uh, you know, a better bet than uh, Lightroom is. So uh, in a way, that was a good choice for me as well. But I well, think, you know, I wanted to stay uh, to stay in Apple Awards, if I can say. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if, Apple, if Apple created a, a, a program that duplicated, you know, most, if not all of the functionality of something like Photoshop, and would also integrate in with Aperture. Is that something that you would be interested in, or do you think that staying in Photoshop, since that's kind of the industry standard, would be a better way to go? Honestly, I don't know. I heard about that. Uh, you know, I saw a few uh, posts on the internet that says that maybe Apple is working on a Photoshop killer or something like that. Well, you know, I think I think the word killer is is so overused. Yeah, you know, I mean, the iPod comes out, and as soon as it became kind of a mass market success, everybody started trying to come out with iPod killers. And yeah. instead of instead of doing the smart thing, which is create a device and you know develop a service for it. You know, all of these people decided, well, what we're going to do is we're going to cram as many features as we can into a product, which, of course, then also made it unusable because nobody could figure out how to do anything with it. And Apple just kept on rolling. So if they were going to come out with with a, a photo manipulation program, you know, that was similar in function to to Photoshop, uh, would that be something you'd be interested in? Okay, we're not talking about a killer now. No. <laughs> no, no, no. But, but, but Rick, Steve actually makes a good point there, Guy, because it's got to be pretty much a game changer for people to think about moving over to it because the world is so – I mean, it's become a noun, hasn't it, photoshopping something. Yeah. And, and it's, you know the, – the, And a verb. Yeah, yeah even. Um, <laughs> and I think, I think it's, it's pretty much, you know, the standard. So if Apple do come out with something, they're – They've got to make a game-changing product. And is it worth their while doing that? I don't know. Well, you look at – because, you know, Apple's problems with, with Adobe over the last couple of years seems to have gone from a minor annoyance for both companies 
to almost, you know, all out, I won't say all out war, but you, you look at the problems that they've been having, you know, I mean, Adobe is, is seriously ticked off that, that Apple won't include flash in any of their mobile devices. And when you, you think about how buggy CS3 and CS4 were when they first came out on the Mac, it, you know, I, you don't want to go and say something like, well, that was deliberate to try to get people to, to move over to the windows side. But at the same time, you know, why would, why would you release a product that had so many problems so early on and expect people to just kind of suck it up? You know, I, I just don't really understand what Adobe's mindset is on this. I don't think they did that. Yeah. They, well, yeah. It, it getting into the mindset of someone's, uh, uh, you know, a company's company. a company's yeah. processes, and you know, somebody within that organization obviously did the sale job, and they did, you know, they did the wrong thing. But the the same thing could be say said obviously about um, Aperture with Apple. Oh yeah, yeah, because when Aperture, I think Aperture One was almost what universally panned. It, it, it had some some real issues. Now, but you know, I'm, we're we're kind of getting off what what Steve was talking about. You know, yeah, if Apple was going to come out with with a program like Photoshop and, you know, based on, well, you know, let's go back a little bit in time. Uh, what was the industry standard for digital video way back when? It was Avid, you know, Avid and, and Adobe's Premiere, Premiere Pro were the, the two big standards that, you know, prosumers were using to edit digital video. And then Adobe abandoned the Mac market. And then Avid abandoned the Mac market, and not long not long before that, Apple had bought a company that had a program that eventually morphed into uh, Final Cut. And just on the basis of, and you know, Final Cut was a game changer. It it didn't have a workflow that was really all that similar to either Avid or Premiere Pro, and just by the nature of, of, you know, so many of the people that, that do creative things with photography and, and digital video were, were, you know, diehard Mac guys, they started using Final Cut Pro and that's now become the, almost the de facto standard. As a matter of fact, yeah, you know, the I, Oscars just occurred. Yeah. And, nine and, out of the top 10. Wasn't yeah. It? Nine out of the top 10 documentaries were created with Final yeah, Cut Pro. Right. Yeah. So, so if they did come out with a game changer, not a, <laughs> not, not a, a killer. Photoshop killer, not a Photoshop. but if, that's not but if they came out with a game changer, uh, I certainly wouldn't buy it because I don't do enough with photos. But I was going to actually ask Steve what he does with his photos, and I suppose you know it's how much manipulation he actually does because if it's going to be a game changer, I would expect it also to be quite a high price. So, Steve, would you buy something that came from Apple, which was a game changer, which was an, a Photoshop pro- type product? Um, do you do enough with your photos to want to do or want to use an application like that that came from Apple? You know, honestly, I have uh, been using uh, Photoshop Elements for maybe five years now, you know, I've and I upgraded only when I see it fit, you know. For example, I started, I think, with Photoshop Element 3 on Mac, and then I skipped the version 4, I think uh, Adobe never released a version 5, so I stepped into version 6 when it came available, and the version 7 never never came up as well, so I bought uh, 
Photoshop Element 8 recently. Yeah, so, I think I'm still on 6. <laughs> yeah, it's a good software as well. You know, I just switched to 8, you know, because there, there were a special, I think, you know. <laughs> not, not really because I needed the new features or whatever. So, but anyway. And, you know, that software is something like, uh, you know, it's under $100, you know, when, when you get the uh, rebates online and whatever. So, and it's pretty nice software. And I, you know, I do so, uh, photo manipulation sometimes, you know, you want to, you know, say uh, you have, a, I don't know, a, a character in the, in the middle of the photo that you want to extract and put it in the, a different background, say, for a mont mont montage or whatever, you know? Right. And, but I do this maybe two or three times a year. So, you know, one of the dollars seems pr pretty fair for, for that. You know, if Apple comes with a product that is, you know, $100, $200, maybe I will. But, you know, if, if you compare that to the Photoshop CS4, which I never bought and I'm, not really thinking of buying it anyway because I think it's yeah, something. Well, which, which version? <laughs> yeah, first of all, not not they have uh, you know not not only the price is uh, overkill for my budget maybe, but uh, you know they have uh, you know the standard they extended and I don't know the if uh, video uh, and then this and that so yeah. many different types is like oh you vey absolutely so, now. now Guy, I think I think at the end, at the start of the show, Guy. I mean, everybody, or if anybody listened to the last week's show, they know where I'm from. You, the, you've been on the show for a long time. They know where you're from. Yeah, from. that's pretty think, painfully obvious. I think, yeah, I think we kind of forgot to ask Steve where he was from at the start of the show. Yikes! <laughs> yeah, you, you said from Canada. Oh, you did know, I? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So oh. where, whereabouts, whereabouts in Canada? Because that doesn't sound like what we'd call a typically English accent. Yeah, no, I'm a French Canadian. In fact, you know, I'm born in Quebec, uh, in the Quebec area, the province of Quebec. You know, basically, I live uh, somewhere like uh, 600 kilometers from Montreal, the big city of Quebec. So, so pl plenty of uh, photo opportunities around there. Yeah, what what kind of photos do you typically take? Well, I'm I'm someone who like uh, nature photography. You know. And sometimes show photography as well, but you know, basically, I you know, I like to go in the forest and you know, sometimes just uh, uh, try to to photograph something. You know, sometimes it could look ugly just by the sight. You know, but uh, you know, when you try to put the the I don't know a plant or whatever in uh, in in some kind of context, you know, with the background and so on. You know, sometimes you can get pretty nice pictures. You know. <laughs> So you're in an area where, where you have lots of opportunities for that? Oh, uh, yeah, sure, sure. Lots of snow in those times. <laughs> you know, I would like, uh, I'd like to have the summer come a little bit uh, faster so that I can get out uh, a little bit more than what I do now. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, no one, great thing, one great thing about doing a podcast is that, you know, you meet so many good, good people. And speaking of good people... We have, we have a sponsor, Gaz. Uh, do, we, do, we do. We do. Yes, we do. And here we are. We're almost a half hour into the recording, and we have failed to mention them even once. Ah, it's just so much fun when we have a listener on. It is. It is. So, but, but you know, the bills need to be paid. So what, what we need to talk about for just a minute, 
and we're going to let Tim talk about it a little bit more, is OWC, Otherworld Computing, at MacSales.com. Anything you have that you need for your Mac, <laughs> chances are OWC has it. They're going to have the. They're going to have competitive prices, and certainly going to have you know a way above industry standard service. So let's listen to Tim as he talks about MacSales.com with OWC. Take it away, Tim. Hey everyone, Tim Robertson from OWC Radio on behalf of MacSales.com, Otherworld Computing. Hey, do you got a laptop? If so, when's the last time you thought about upgrading your hard drive? Well, here's a really good idea. OWC has a special OWC bundle right now where you get an OWC Express 2.5-inch SATA enclosure. In other words, an external hard drive case. You also get a 500-gigabyte Seagate Momenta 7200 RPM drive, and a five-piece toolkit. What's all this mean? Here's a scenario. You need to back up your data. You know that. I know that. But you haven't been doing it right. Or if you have been doing it right, you need to make an emergency boot disk, something that if the worst-case scenario happens, your computer won't start, you need to get it booted up, what do you do? With the bundle... First of all, you take the hard drive out of your computer, and we give you the toolkit in this kit, in this bundle, to do so. So you uninstall your hard drive, and you put the new hard drive into your MacBook, MacBook Pro, that sort of computer, a portable. Now, once it's in there, you take your old drive and put it in this new enclosure. Now you have an emergency boot disk. Now you can also use the enclosure, connect it to your computer, and clone your old hard drive onto the new one. This way your old stuff is on the new drive. You can't even tell the difference. It looks just like your desktop is the same. Your files are right where you left them. It's exactly the same except it's a 7200 RPM drive. It's going to be a lot faster. You're going to see a speed improvement. And even better, you're going to have a lot more space on your laptop. So here's the deal. All that that I just told you, $119.99, go up to MacSales.com, look for the OWC Express 2.5-inch SATA Enclosure Kit Bundle. comes with the 500-gigabyte, 7200-RPM drive, and the five-piece toolkit that you're going to need to open up your MacBook or your MacBook Pro to do this install. It's a really good idea. Check it out. And in the meantime, make sure you listen to OWC Radio, hosted by yours truly. I'd love you to listen and send me some feedback. And now back to the guys. Hey, thanks, Tim, for that uh, for that spot from OWC. We just love them over at MacSales.com. Anything you need for your Mac, you'll find it at Otherworld Computing, MacSales.com. We're still here with Steve Hammond, who is, who's apparently from Canada. You are from Canada, right, Steve? Yeah. Great. Okay, right. good. We, we, we've got that settled. And Gaz, Gaz, Gaz who's from South Florida? No. That's, I don't think that's quite right. That, that, that's, that's not right. That's not that's me. That's not the accent. Okay. All right. No, I'm from South Florida. That's 
People have trouble understanding me sometimes. I have trouble understanding me sometimes. And I'm from jolly old UK. Jolly old England. And I have a horrible English accent, so I won't do that anymore. Um, one of the things that we wanted to talk about this week, Steve, was you know, the the upcoming release of the iPad. Now, that's this this could be a uh, a make or break product on the mobile market for Apple. Do you think that that this is something that's really going to do well for them? I think so. You know, basically what I what I read on the uh, the news so far is that uh, it's been selling well for the the week or two it has been uh, on sales on pre sales. But uh, yeah, I think they've had something like uh, what did they say? Like over well over a hundred thousand pre-sales already. Yeah, and I two hundred thousand pre-sales. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, the numbers are coming out all over the place. I think they said something. I've seen numbers anywhere between about a hundred and thirty and a hundred and fifty thousand for the first weekend from Friday through to. Uh, yeah, and, and this is for this is for the one that doesn't even have three G. So well, let, let, um, let's for a product that you know. That nobody's had their hands on yet, really. Yeah. Do so you think a lot of people are holding back for the 3G unit, Steve? Honestly, I don't think so. You know, everyone I've been reading or uh, hearing on podcasts or whatever are saying, you know, I'd get the uh, the Wi-Fi only the Wi-Fi and I get something like a MiFi or whatever to uh, get online with it if I need. Uh, you know, you, you see, there's... there's there's arguments to and fro on that. I mean, I, I actually don't have an iPhone, but I've got an iPod Touch. But I also ha- do have uh, an Overtel MiFi unit, which I use. And obviously, my idea is that I'm going to obviously use the – because, yeah, I'm sold. I, I'll, I'll be getting an iPad. Yes, sorry. I, I've got to do it. <laughs> but, <laughs> so you're going you're gonna to get the Wi-Fi one? So I'm only going to get the Wi-Fi one. Now, a lot of people are saying, no, no, I want to get the 3G because it'll give you that little bit extra on the location services. Although I'm hearing a lot of people saying that, you know, the location services will be good enough with just the Wi-Fi um, device. But, you yeah. know, there's, there's arguments to and throw because I've got a, a friend who's said that he's he's – been going oh should i get the wi-fi because he's also got a mi-fi device he said should i get the, the wi-fi only and save that little bit of extra cash but then he's thinking well it's not insignificant no because that's it's, right right now it's 130 dollars us yeah. i don't think have have prices been announced in the uk no 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 we're still waiting for those we're still waiting for those prices in fact we're still really waiting uh for an absolute uh Drop dead, drop dead date. D- date for you know uh, when it's going to be released over here. But actually, right. in Ireland, uh, I know that in Ireland they they don't even have a date, and in Poland as well, they don't even have a date on the website as to when it's going to be released. Do they at least showing it on the website? They're showing it on the hey, website. This is an but iPad. That's it. You can't yeah. have one, yeah. but here it is. Yeah. This is what it looks like. <laughs> can't touch it. Can't touch this. Yeah, yeah. But of course, well, going going back to what I was saying before, the, the thing with having a MiFi is. It's another device to carry around. And as I said, my friend has kind of swung back to actually getting the 3G uh, version because he puts the SIM in and he gives it to anybody and it'll just work. You know, you don't have to worry about having a MiFi as well. So, you know, there's arguments to, to and, you know, for and against. Yeah, have they said anything in the UK about what data plans are going to be like, or what carriers? Or I imagine O2 and um, well, apparent, uh, apparently the the Apple executive have been over here uh, to be in discussions, and there's there's been a little bit of rumor mongering as to whether actually they're going to be 
putting it down just to one carrier so that it could be subsidized and i really hope they don't go down that route because you're kind of you know yes you'll get a subsidized device but it's going to be locked into that carrier and i hope that they just say you know we want some carrier decent carrier deals because it's a new type of sim we've not seen this smaller sim uh you know it's not in much it's not in use at all as far as i'm aware uh in europe so um yeah, yeah that's probably why they were coming over to try and encourage you know the take up of this particular sim so that people can buy the plans um our data plans are pretty good to be honest with you i think uh, across europe the uk's got some of the best um data sim plans that are out there but obviously- well it helps that it helps that at least with the iphone that there's some competition among the carriers because yeah. that's we just don't have that here no and uh, yeah i mean that that's one thing that i've always said that i thought that that device should come unlocked uh, i've i've said it pretty much from the start that i thought they would do a, a lot better uh, a lot sooner if that you know if the iphone had been unlocked but you know what do i know what do you think it's it still would have sold as well as it had because it would have come at a much higher price and you know let's face it that the iphone most of the people that have been buying iphones are it's, people it's, that have never had a smartphone before in their lives. Uh, yeah, and that's pro- you know that's possibly um you know why they went down that route. But I was I wasn't a massive massive Apple fanboy, but I still wanted one of these devices, but I wanted to choose my own plan because guy at the end of the day when you sit down you could get much better data plans and it wouldn't have cost you as much money because, you know, the phone companies, they're subsidizing it, but they want their money back. Of course. Well, what, what do you think has been, has been, you know, driving people to, you know, not just, not just the iPhone, but things like Android and some of these other touchscreen devices. Now these are, these are devices that are starting to, to move people away from the idea that you can only input information into a, a computer or computer-like product using like a keyboard and a mouse, which has been around now for you know 25 years since Apple you know released the original uh, Macintosh. You think that that people are starting to get used to the idea that they don't necessarily need to have a keyboard and a mouse or a trackpad or any of the rest of this stuff that we've been using for so long. Well. Uh... I think the iPad's going to be the um, the proof of the pudding there. Um, I think I mentioned uh, in the last show that uh, I wanted to see, obviously, the iPad as a, uh, you know, a lot of people may be using, or there's obviously people out there using the Mac Mini uh, to interface with a TV, using it as a media center. And one right. of the things I think I mentioned was, you know, being able to use it as an interface between that. And obviously, I was thinking about the keyboard. And I I think this is going to be, the proof of the pudding. This is going to tell us, and it's going to tell Apple and a lot of other companies just whether people are prepared um, to use the iPad um, as a keyboard. I mean, what do you think, Steve? Would you know? Are you looking forward to using uh, using the iPad? Are you even thinking about getting an iPad? And what do you think about obviously just having a flat screen and being able to type on it? You know, basically, you know, when the iPad was announced uh, maybe a month and a half ago. Uh, no, I was impressed by the device, but you know, just, let's just say that the I don't know, you know, the feeling was not the same as when they announced the iPhone. You know, when they announced the iPhone in I think it was in two thousand seven. Yeah. Uh, you know, I 
said, okay, I don't want an iPhone for now, but if they ever come out with an iPod with the same interface, I'm buying one. And I did, you know, when they came out with the uh, iPod Touch in September of that year, yep. you know, I bought it and I used it for, you know, until I just bought an iPhone three years later. <laughs> <laughs> three? Did you say three days later you bought an iPhone? Uh, three years. Oh, three years later. Okay. I thought yeah. you said, it was like, <laughs> wow, okay. Well, who do you, who no, do no, you no. think who do you think that the, the iPad, you know, as a device... You, do you think that, that it's really w would be marketed or not so much marketed, but could be used by, by anyone? Or, or do you think that there's a, a more specific market for something like this? You know, basically, I think the iPad is a really nice device, you know, for, say, someone that just wants to read the email, uh, surf the web and stuff like that. But one of the issues I find with it is that it still needs to be connected to a computer to be synced at one time. What one yeah. point in time, so you know those people that don't want to have a computer but would like to surf the web, the emails, and so on, they still need a computer just to sync the device. So maybe they will, you know, buy the device and ask for a friend to activate the device or whatever, and then use it as a standalone device. And I think you know that's one point I think where Apple missed the the, the goal here. You know. Some of the people buying uh, those netbooks, they just want a smaller computer just to serve the web and read emails. But it's a full-fledged computer that can work by itself, you know, which the I iPad is, you know, there's a missing part in there. You know, if the iPad yeah. could be boot up uh, independently of any computer at, at first stop, you know, every grandma on the, the, on the planet would like to have an iPad, you know. Well, I, you I don't think yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, Gas. I'd say he's definitely right there in, in saying that I think uh, Apple have missed a trick by saying it has to be sunk to uh, to a computer. But well, is I, that I, is that necessarily true, though? Well, it, it, true because we don't really know at this point in time. Yeah. I think it's the natural progression. I think it certainly was the natural progression. But to move it forward, I think they've got to be able to release it so it's a you know a standalone device, certainly. Yeah, but, you know, j just for the fact, you know, if you need to upgrade the software, you know, uh, at this point in time, I never saw any iPod Touch or iPhone to be able to be upgraded itself live, you know, like you do with uh, OS X, for example, you know, you, 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 you go to the software upgrade and your upgrade is, is done within the computer and then it asks for a restart and boom, you're done. Well, but part of that, iPhone, part of that, part of that also could be limitations on whoever the carrier is that that's supporting the device. So I know here in the States, AT&T used to have, or AT&T and Apple had a, uh, I think it was a 10 megabyte limitation that yeah. you could download. Yeah, so if your carrier won't yeah. support enough, you know, bandwidth. bandwidth to, to bring in an update into an iPad or an iPod touch or an iPhone, then, you know, yeah, then your only option really would be to sync it up. That, that that's right for 3G, but if you're on Wi-Fi, that limitation doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, that's true. You, you know, so my point is there. You know, if anything to Wi-Fi, the device could be upgraded by in itself, standalone. Would be a perfect fit for any grandma in the world. But <laughs> hey, Steve. 
I gotta yeah. I gotta cut you off for a second because we're getting a we're getting a lot of feedback. Can you quit Skype and come back in? Yeah, yeah, no problem. Okay, we're gonna say goodbye to Steve for for just a minute. See if we can get him back soon. Yeah. Oh my my my. Okay. Uh, we were talking about the 10 meg uh, limitation on on 3G or on, on edge uh, service. Yeah, and, and and Steve, you you went on to mention that obviously with the with the Wi-Fi capability that has gone now, which I, I tend to agree with you. It's it's you know you, you should be able to uh, download the apps and any upgrades that you get. But but before we go too far down the app story, because that could be a whole program on its oh, own, sure. I think. Um, <laughs> do, do what do we think? You know, is there going to be a, like a third-party market for this product? You know, what sort of products do you think uh, might be coming along to uh, supplement um, your nice gleaming iPad? Have you got any ideas at all, Steve, or or you guy? Go ahead, Steve. Mm, you know, honestly, I don't know because, like I said to you, uh, you know, uh, when we start talking about iPads, you know, w- when the iPhone came out, I wanted the device in my hand, you know, I, and I bought the iPod Touch to compensate for the differential on, into uh, the iPhone stuff. But, you know, the iPad came out and still I, you know, I have a MacBook Pro, I have an iMac and I, you know, would like to have one, but I'm not sure what I will do with it. So is yeah. it something I really need or, or something I already just, have or all that I really need? Want. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just, yeah, just for the sake I've, that I, you know, I have one. You well, know? <laughs> you know what's weird? I was at uh, I was at the MacWorld Expo, and there were already some companies that just based on pictures had some mock-ups of uh, things like cases and, and things along those lines. Uh, well, that's gonna be that's gonna be the obvious one, isn't it, guy? It's gonna be covers and, yeah, and yeah, you know. Yeah. Now, t- t- tongue-in-cheek backpacks. <laughs> yeah. Now the, the iPad <laughs> doesn't have a camera. Um, I'm imagining yeah. that in relatively short order, we'll see uh, a camera that will attach via the dock connector. Now, one nice thing about the iPad is that there's really no wrong way to hold it with the accelerometer that's built into it. Whichever way you hold it is how it's going to orient itself. So if you want to have the, the dock connector on top, it's, it's not that big a deal. No, I, I, it, it's funny you just said about the camera, though. I, do you know the word that suddenly popped into my head when you said uh, about attaching yeah. a camera? Eyesight. Yeah, yeah. The old, the old eyesight. So, you know, our Apple, because apparently the, the camera um, attachment isn't yet available on the website, is it? Because, well, no, you know, but, they, they but would that about, be Apple or would that be someone else? Well, I... Well, yeah, of course, it could well be. It could well be. Or are Apple holding back and say, now we've also got not only uh, so you can put your SIM card in or your, your not your SIM card, rather your uh, your compact card or your SD card, but have we also now got uh, an adapter uh, which or a device which is a camera, much like the old iSight. Well, camera. I know when, when people this. started talking about, you know, that the iPad's missing a camera and blah, 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 blah. You know, if you think about the way that, that you've seen the pictures and videos of, of people holding this yeah. device. If it had a camera, what would it be looking at? You know, depending on. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. Let's not go there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now the only way something like that could work, cause I actually did start to think about it would be if there was, you know, you've, you've got this camera built in and it's, it's seeing a certain focal range, you know, a, a certain amount of, of whatever it is that's, that's within its sight. 
um, if you you would they, through software, you'd basically kind of treat it like a, a zoom lens, and then with like a touch interface, you could move what what that camera was looking at without ever actually moving the camera inside. So the camera wouldn't actually have you know a, a pan and tilt or anything like that. It wouldn't actually you know move the camera itself. You would just be moving the the zoomed in image, you know, like, and it could be maybe ten, fifteen percent, whatever it would take, in order to be able to have it focus on your face. Now, the the downside to that is, you know, at this point, regardless, you're still kind of having to hold it out in front of you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I I think if they put a camera on there it's 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 going to be at the bequest of everyone who's shouting for it but i think they would be better off actually making it a third party device that you plug in probably yeah and and maybe they're waiting for some kind of new patent to be uh, something like a reality because i read a few years ago on i think an apple insider or something like that that apple was working on you know on on stuff like a, a camera within or back to on the you know back to the screen you know not not a camera embedded in the screen but you know the screen was the camera somewhere yeah i patented something like uh, you know for for that but you know still maybe the technology for doing so is not uh, it's not so easy to be done and if if in fact the the you know the ipad screen was the camera you know you could put it on every side and you know it it will work for everyone every every position and whatever. So maybe that's what they're waiting for. Possibly. And I tell you what, it, it would make one hell of a flash. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it sure would. <laughs> well, the uh, talking about, you know, if, if we were going to talk about the, the app store for a second, do you think that the, the, the nature of the app store being a closed market is a help or a hindrance? I, I if, <sighs> You want me to be honest, I think it's both. It's both because it's control for Apple uh, and the apps coming through give the user a much better experience, which is what they want to control. It's what they want you to have, which is a good experience. Um, I mean, if you if you buy another device, I can remember having a Palm um, and the devices, the apps that I used to try and buy, it was just a nightmare to get them installed. Some of those um, applications wouldn't install. I had to go here to try and download it and find another application from somewhere else. So the control that Apple has over right. it, obviously, is hopefully, not in all cases, but hopefully giving the user a much better experience. But some people think that's bad because they want to do anything well, mostly, mostly, yeah, mostly, you know, the, 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 the people I keep hearing talking about, oh, it's not open source and blah, blah, blah. Mostly these are people that yes, are, are yes. very tech savvy who wouldn't buy an, an iPad or, you know, they wouldn't be, I mean, I wouldn't say that because you're going to buy one, but they wouldn't be predisposed to buy something like an iPhone <laughs> or an iPad, mostly because it's from Apple. You know, these are people that, for one reason or another, despise Apple. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But there are people actually within the in, within the Mac world that also see it as a bad thing because they can't. You know, it, it has restricted them. Let's let's put it. I mean, let's get it out there. We've got the history of the problems mm. that has been the App Store, 
But I think Apple are trying to, you know, to change that. They're trying to obviously they've gone down one route when it comes to uh, getting rid of some apps which they deem are not right. But they've right. also gone down the route of trying to improve the process of getting apps through and uh, out to the consumer. Um, so <laughs> Apple want to control it. It's good and it's bad. And I think it re- I guess it really depends on it's your point of view when you when you're looking at what you want to do with that particular device. But right. the thing is, guy, when you buy that device, you know that you buy into that ecosystem system. Yeah, there, there's there shouldn't be any illusions at this no. point. No, that you know what you're buying is a device that runs software within a, a closed architecture. So you know, I I I don't quite understand the the just the the sheer amount of venom that I've been reading <laughs> online for some of this. Yeah, it's Apple. It's Apple. Yeah, it creates. You know, now at the same time, we we've got we've got rumored devices coming out from both Microsoft and and Android on the Microsoft side running. God, what do they call it now? Windows Mobile Seven Seven Series. Yeah, yeah. Series Nightmare. You know, I I have I have no idea what the hell it is that yeah, they're, I they're think, trying to call it. I think it. that's a way off at the moment. But yeah, interestingly though, you've got. I mean, I think an app, uh, uh, an item which is much closer, although it still isn't released yet, is the Juju. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, and you know, of course, they're having their own problems. Yeah, with, of um, course. But, uh, but TechCrunch. Yeah, yeah, but Michael Arrington. One of the things that I found, re- yeah, definitely. But one of the things I found really interesting is I went onto their site. I've been onto their site a few times, and the the word juju actually came or comes from an African word spelled J O U J O U. And do you know what that actually means? Actually, you know, I've been to Africa, but I I, I have no idea. <laughs> well, wait for it. It means magical device <laughs> oh gee deja vu i've heard that deja somewhere. vu deja vu and you know what guys uh been having a lot of fun but unfortunately we're, we're getting close to that that magic time when uh we need to wrap this up i want to thank you so much steve for for coming on board for for gaz and myself's first listener invite it's been great having you yeah, it's been a pleasure. And if you need to fill a hole anytime, call me and I, I should be there. <laughs> and uh, I want to say goodnight to you too, Gaz. Yeah, thanks very much. It's uh, It's been a, a pleasure as usual. <laughs> and we'll see you all next week. My Mac Podcast for My Mac Podcast 287. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention some of the other fine podcasts that we have through uh, MyMac.com. We have geekiest show ever that's with uh tim robertson right now chad perry and myself we have my phototech podcast with sandro my own victory garden with greg holdsworth and sam's cool picks with none other than sam levin you, you can't get enough of sam levin uh, yeah i've heard some people say that <laughs> some some people some people have said that anyway thank you all for listening and we'll see you next week And thank you for listening to the MyMac.com podcast. Please send all feedback to podcast at MyMac.com. Be sure to check out our other shows, including Geekiest Show Ever, My Phototech Podcast, Your Own Victory Garden, and Sam's Cool Picks. All available in iTunes.